Computer, initialize Holosuite. Shuttle with the blast shield. Yes. The blast Stop shield it. No, the blast shield. It comes down and it goes up. Blast shield. Hey, BSers. Oh no. Is that a is that a name? I don't know. It just came BS's. out. BSers. That's like bullshitters, though. I know. It's like hey, bullshitters. No, hey, How? blast shielders. Yeah. Or maybe just shielders. <sighs> Star Trek fans. Trackies. Yeah, There's a word yeah. for Star Trek fans. Yeah, you know what? We don't need to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> we can just go with what's worked for a long time. Although there is different ones, actually. Yeah, I bet there are, like, sects. Yeah, uh, so there's Trekkies and there's Trekkers. And what's at the one difference? Point, well, see, some people will disagree with me as to how I would define the differences. But, but basically, the Trekkers used to be a lot more serious. And it okay. was kind of like, if you were a Trekker... You looked down on Trekkies. What? And you were really into it. Now, that might sound crazy to you, but just think about what the fan base is like anyway, where if you only like the old Trek and you don't like Discovery or anything new, then you look down at the fans of that stuff. So, like, basically that style of behavior within the Trek fandom has existed ever since... I guess the first probably movie came out and there became more than just the original series. Well, that um, is yeah. bullshit. So yeah. maybe I'm talking to you. I'm talking so to you Maybe guys. they are the BSs. Yeah. Hey, BSs. And everyone uh, else. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like Harry Potter, though, I guess, because that has some really like elite fans, you know? Mm-hmm. And any, if anyone enjoyed the films, it's like, oh, you're not a real Harry Potter fan. Oh, and yes. if anyone enjoyed The Cursed Child, it's like, oh, well, you clearly have not understood this and this and this point. So what do you mean? Do they... So if you like the films and not read the books, you're not a proper fan, are you? Yeah, I think so. I think Why? that's is like it, a thing. Is it because, you know, they, they left out pages 364 to 518 of oh, yes. Order of the Phoenix? Yes. And if you like that film, the you clearly face. aren't a Harry Potter fan. The face. Am I doing <laughs> the a face? face you have on right now is hilarious. But yes, that's it. Like, people say, oh, they left out this detail and this detail. But no one seemed to have an issue with that, with Game of Thrones. When... Oh, well, some do. Really? Oh, yeah. Because, like, people who read the books... Like, apparently it's totally different from the film, well, uh, from some, the TV show. Some significant plot lines are left out from the books, I think. Oh. But um, There's no time. Game of Thrones was a very well-made show, so people weren't too disheartened. But obviously some other people have different thoughts on the last couple of seasons. I enjoyed them all. But here we are. We're here to talk Star Trek Lower Decks. We should probably say who we are in case someone's I was listening ju- for the first yeah, time. Yeah, you're right. And if, hopefully we haven't offended them already. I mean, you did start off by saying, like, hi, bullshitters. So... <laughs> It was said from a place of love. Yeah. Uh, I am Kyle West, and the lovely female voice you can hear is Katie West, my wife. Wife of two months Mm. now as we record this. Two and a half months or so. So we may sound slightly different as we're recording this. We are both unwell. I'm kind of on the tail end of being unwell, mm. so I'm, I'm getting a bit better. But I'm, still I'm a little in the block. belly. You're in the belly of the beast. beast. Yeah. yeah. So you might sound a bit different. I will try to remove any disgusting, horrible, like, flu sounds. Just beep over it and then people will just think I'm swearing more that, than normal. No, that beeping is, a, is much more complicated <laughs> than you imagine to put on. So. I believe you. Yeah. It is re- remarkably frustrating and annoying. Please don't swear on this podcast. I was just about to do like a whole long yeah. thing of swearing. It basically did... Like, I was fully aware that it sounded like I was inviting you to swear. I wasn't. <laughs> I was 
pleading with you to not swear. I was going to do one of those things where you use the F word as like a verb, an adjective, an adverb, noun, all in one sentence. Oh, so it just literally F, 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 F. Yeah. But with the word. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, now we've established that you can try and keep it PG on this week's episode. Let me just explain to you what we're here for. We will be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2, Episode 3. We'll always have Tom Paris. Which is a wonderful <laughs> so episode title. A nice throwback to a TNG episode you watched not long ago, which was We'll Always Have Paris. Nothing similar in the plot lines at all, though, in those episodes. Isn't there, there's also like a, just a random old yeah. film called that. Yeah, it's quite a smart title, actually. Mm. I'm surprised like I never thought of it sooner or anyone else. I know, I've never seen Trekkies using it anyway. Katie, before we get into our breakdown, and it will be full of spoilers, guys, so be warned, I need to just make a really, really big announcement, which beyond the fact that you are now allow me to have a few of my nerdy posters up. In more in, than a few. Okay, quite a few nerdy posters up in our front room and a couple of my pop vinyl figures. Shout out to my Michael Burnham and Saru ones which are up there. So cool. Uh, as well as the Captain Kirk from Star Trek Beyond in his blue jacket one, which I bet you don't even know really was Kirk. I didn't. I, I took a guess when I put it back up on the shelf yesterday. Yeah, we That's why I separated it from the other two. Yeah, so I figured you probably thought the fact it was like grouped with the other Trek ones made mm. you think it probably was Trek, but you weren't 100% sure. Could be anyone, really. Um, but yes, basically, we bought some something else today. Now, you have pushed against doing anything like this for years. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about the doormat. So we now have a um, welcome aboard Star Trek doormat, bright purple. It's got a picture Can't of Can't really the, miss it, can you? No, it's got the 1701 on it, and, you know, USS Enterprise and the registry. For years, I've been trying to get a Batman one or, you know, a Marvel one, or even other Trek ones. And you have always said no, no. But who was it who even found the doormat? I found the doormat, Carl. I found it. You found the doormat. I found the doormat. That's it. We came back to get it. Yeah. You didn't change your mind that time. Now it's there, right in front of people coming to our house. Can't hide it. The reason that I didn't want it is because I had the house a certain way. You know, shabby chic. I had all my interiors, you know. I don't have that anymore. No, taken over. So I might as well just let people know on the way in that I'm a Trekkie. Ooh, that way they... She said she's a Trekkie. They, they get it. You are quite a Trekkie now. I am. You listen to our other podcast, Her First Trek, a Star Trek review podcast. And uh, you can hear all Katie's thoughts on the Star Trek that I'm making her watch. Not always forcing now, but at the start certainly was having to tape your eyes open and tie you to the chair. <laughs> Matchsticks. Yep. Yeah, that was our sort of fun little Trek thing that happened today, actually. So that, was, uh, that was only a few hours ago. I noticed last week... Katie, I did not tell anyone where they could find us on social media. I didn't beg them to leave us a five-star review. You better do that now. Yes. So I beg of the dear listener, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you listen to us on that app, or just give us a follow on social media at Blast Shield Up. Right. I think we've waited long enough. I think it is time that we get into our discussion, our spoiler-filled discussion of this week's episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. What say you, Katie? Buckle the F up. Well done for withholding from swearing there as well. The longer it goes on, the more likely it's going to be me that starts effing and blinding. So I look forward to that. (laughs) I feel like it always tests me when I'm editing as well. If the swearing starts late on in the episode, it's a true check that I'm not just like phoning it in at that point when I'm editing (laughs) the episode. It's a real life thing. So if you hear a random swear, then you're thinking, ah, he's not listening properly. He's just trying to get the edit done now. This guy was half asleep. Yeah, I mean, that... that Kyle will... t- tends to edit with one eye open. 
Oh, sometimes it's the worst. I don't know if anyone else does this. We will review the episode, I promise. But yeah, sometimes when I'm editing a podcast, it can have the same effect as reading a book for me. Like if I pick up a book, I might even feel too tired or even tired at all. But as soon as I start reading, I couldn't. Even, I can be ready to fall asleep before even the first page is done. And editing a podcast is very much like that. As soon as I sit there with my computer and I'm there in front of the editing software, start hitting play and start snipping out what I need to snip, doing the sound changes, and I am fighting sleep like... My head will be rocking around. Whenever you're tired, like I've never seen anyone else do it. You kind of sleep on one side of your body, and then, (laughs) like, it's like one side shuts down to recharge, and then the other side has a little break. Because I fight the sleep, so I'm like one eye closed and the other eye open. I'm doing it now. Yeah, this face, I see it all the time. (laughs) And I'm like, apart from you're not smiling, apart from Um, on one side, can you smile on one side of your mouth and then drop the other side? Well, I'm not like two-faced. Let's talk about it then. We'll always have Tom Paris, third episode. Not as much random crazy stuff going on, but we did again have three storylines, but I think they're a little easier for us to follow this time. I was thinking on this occasion, we'll go with the C-plot first. Okay. Because the C-plot was really... Which the C-plot? Well, C, I think the C-plot was the Tom Paris one. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Which is weird, because the episode's named after it, but... I know, I know, and we'll come on to that, maybe. So the Boimler plotline basically featured the revelation that one Tom Paris was going to be visiting the Cerritos, as he's doing a tour, I guess, around Starfleet, of going to tell stories from his time in the Delta Quadrant on the USS Voyager. You can see those tales in Star Trek Voyager seasons one to seven. Although now you know that he made it back. Yes. So this was, again, the first thing. Big fat spoiler. Yeah. Well, I did say to you as we went into this, you may encounter spoilers. And I was thinking more about he might mention other characters or things like that and significant things that happened. But you sort of five minutes into the episode saying, yeah, well, that's Voyager gets home. That's a big fat spoiler. In the moment, I was thinking, what can I say to make her think Voyager doesn't get home. <laughs> and I thought, but what then? What if they specifically say later on about Voyager getting home? And then she'll never believe anything I tell her. So <laughs> I, I weighed up my options in that moment and thought, best just to awkwardly laugh it off. So yeah, that was a big spoiler for you. Nothing huge there, though. I mean, you don't know how Voyager gets home. No. You could have said it was like an alternate universe Tom Paris. Or like... The fact I didn't say that doesn't mean it's, that he's not. Mirror universe Tom Paris. Could be. Evil. Maybe. I could be just setting you up. I'm trying not to spoil it for you. Babes. Boimler is a massive fan of Mr. Paris, and it turns out that he's already got, like, he's got these commemorative plates, which you can buy, actually. You can buy the Tom Paris commemorative plate and have it much like Boimler. Boimler has already, for, like, the rest of the crew from the looks of it, and that Paris is, like, one of the last ones he's chasing. He's got the Janeway one, so think about this. It means that he's met Janeway. Did he say Tuvok? No, he said all the way to her. Harry, Harry Kim. Kim, yeah. So he's got Harry Kim's one as well. So love Harry Kim. I wish I could have one. You want one, like, as in... Your own Harry Kim. Oh, no, I meant a commemorative plate, but um, now that you mention it. Anyway. Harry uh, Kim. Yeah, Harry Kim. Boimler, massive fan. And uh, unfortunately, though, for Boimler is that the ship is not recognising him due to his stint on the Titan and how the security was tightened up on Cerritos whilst he was gone. Uh, his voice profile image, I guess, has been deleted from the ship, so he can't get through doors. He can't even order food from a replicator. He ends up with a little plant. Bonsai tree. Yeah, uh, for, for his dinner. Uh, and as you said, he loved Leafy. the idea that he kind of walked off with that and clearly must have He just looked it. so dejected and he was like, eh, fine. So he just leaves. Like he's just going to chow down on a bonsai tree. <laughs> so he's trying to get to meet Paris on the bridge. 
but obviously he can't take the normal ways because the ship won't let him, basically. Jet does offer to help. By carrying him over the threshold like a bride. Yeah, I feel if Jet hadn't have made it sound completely emasculating for Boimler, he may have <laughs> potentially gone ahead with it. But, oh, <laughs> um, but I also saw this as a throwback to, obviously, Boimler having issues with Jet when Barb was on the ship. She used to go out with Jet, didn't she, or something like that. Yeah, so I did not twig. So I just, I just took it as that Boimler's just got issues with Jet anyway. Um, oh, my effing God. I didn't realise it was the same guy. Yeah, it's Jet, man. Same guy. Same oh, bloke. Oh, yeah. Oh, you didn't twig for that last week when no. Jet joined the team? No. Oh, man. So yeah, Boimler decides to go through the Jeffrey's tubes and it all goes wrong in there. He almost gets himself fried when Paris is on a little sort of fly around of the ship. Starts to lose his mind as well mm. to the point where the, the plate starts talking to him when he gets himself trapped. Turns out he's above the bridge. We don't know this yet. But he ends up with like his uniform all ripped. He's covered in dirt, I think. I'm not sure where that came from. His hair looks like it's grown about four inches. And he just, he doesn't look like Boimler. And this creates the problem, Katie. Looks like a damn mess. Is that when he, when he basically causes an accident that, causes, that makes him drop through the bottom of the Jeffrey's tube, he lands in the middle of the bridge in this state. His hair sticking up everywhere and his face covered in dirt sees Tom Paris and he starts to say how much of a fan he is but Tom Paris mistakes him for a Kazon because of how he looks which I hadn't twigged to that at all until the moment Paris was like ah Kazon Paris beat the living hell out of Boimler <laughs> poor Boimler and everyone let it happen I know no one stopped him which makes me think that everyone realised it was Boimler but no one really wanted to stop Paris because he's a legend Who'd come to the And it's ship. like, even if Paris deep down knows that it's not a Kazon and that it is just a Starfleet officer, you just got to let Tom Paris do what he wants. Yeah. Thankfully, it does all kind of work out because even though he's got a big black eye from it, Boimler says that he's going to be having a drink with Mr. Paris at the sort of end of the day as Paris wants to make it up to him for beating him up and mistakenly thinking that he was a Kazon and he's going to get his plate signed. So... Wonderful. Yes, it all works out well for Boimler. He's come back from the Titan at just the right time. Just the right time, yeah. So what did you think of that particular storyline for Boimler from sort of start to finish? Do you have any favourite parts from that as well? I thought it was really fun. I loved how frustrated Boimler was getting at the systems, just yeah. not being able to get into them. That bonsai tree, one of my top moments of the episode really when he just walked away with it just looking so like oh because he was like just give me anything i'm starving <laughs> and it's like mm, he's a bonsai tree <laughs> douchebag i'm a bit gutted we didn't get to see more of tom paris yeah. apart from in plate form yeah that was but that was fun that was a nice little nugget for people like me you know fans of voy yeah, it's nice to see Paris after Voyager. You are right. It would have been cool to see more of Paris. And we haven't seen the characters since 2001, so it's been 20 years. And it would have been nice to find out a bit more about what he's doing. But at the same time, that isn't the premise of this show. And we're going to come on to that, I guess, when we talk about Rutherford's storyline. But the premise of the show is that we are seeing the show through the eyes of the Lower Decks crew. Yeah, I and guess. And so yeah. Paris would have done a lot more on the ship. And told those stories and such about Voyager, mm. but we just wouldn't have been privy to well, them. Well, ain't that a good job? Otherwise, I'd know it all. Oh, There'd be yeah. no reason for me to watch. Spoilers left, right and centre. Well, it could save you like 150 episodes now that you've got left. But let me tell you the interesting thing about Trek fandom. And I, I'm going to come off on here sometimes like I hate Trek fandom. I don't. I'm a part of you guys. In fact, I think Trek fandom's awesome. But if you go online, obviously, the vocal minorities, we call them, the, the few people who will always have something to complain about, whatever the show, uh, Trek fans have been, com- yeah, like I said, Trek fans have been complaining for about 40 years saying everything else isn't Trek that comes out, which 
It clearly is. And then they love the thing that's been around then for more years and hate the new things. Enterprise gets defended as real Trek now, whereas I, I remember getting blasted 20 years ago as being a fan of that show because it's not real Trek. Now it is real Trek and everything else after it isn't Trek. I don't know, it's hard. It's like how the language changes, you know, like sick means like, oh, that's sick, as in that's really cool. Mm-hmm. But I always knew sick as being like bad. It's, it's hard to keep up with mm-hmm. that and what Trekkies consider Trek. Yeah, but, and Quim. What? Quim what? means vagina. Oh. But now it's an insult. No, it used to be an insult, now it's vagina. I don't know which way around it is. Well, it's, that's quite important because I need to know, am I allowed to use it as a word or not? I don't know. You've neither confirmed nor denied if it is an insult now or if it isn't an insult. Either way, if you call someone a vagina, don't think it's the best. It's like calling someone a pussy. Yeah, sexist as well. But my point I was going to come back to anyway is this is how pedantic some complaints can be. When you're really clutching, when you're really clutching to say you didn't like something about a new Trek episode. I want to be offended. Yeah, I need to be offended. And what I'm going to do is get pissed off. And this is legit. I saw this online. I'm going to get pissed off at Captain Freeman telling Paris when he took the helm. She basically said, yeah, you can fly the ship, but... Just don't get us stuck in the Delta Quadrant, or whatever it was. Yeah. I saw someone going on saying, that joke was ridiculous, didn't work, Paris wasn't the one who flew them to the Delta Quadrant. Now, Stop. Now, that particular person is correct. Tom Paris didn't fly Voyager to the Delta Quadrant. The caretaker took them there. Yeah. But the point is, the joke was that Voyager had been in the Delta Quadrant, and so Freeman was joking, don't get us stuck out there. Funny joke. Funny. Little reference to Voyager. It's a joke. But someone... At least one person that I've seen um, got really annoyed about this. And that is what they have to deal with, these writers and voice actors and and things like that. I mean, it's it's quite incredible. Do you know what, though? Super congratulations on your life. Because if that's all you've got to complain about, well, this is like, true. That's, that's awesome. Like, good job. But they are just offended at the joke not being literally accurate about how Voyager got stuck in the Delta Quadrant. So yeah, like you said, if that's what, what you're picking the floor with, though, it must be doing okay. It was really good to see Paris, though. I felt like being reunited with an old friend. Yeah, got to see if, him in... If only briefly. Got to see him in the um, the first contact uniform, as we referred to it, as well, which is cool, because we never see those on Voyager. Spoiler for you. And you won't see those on Voyager. You will What's see the them. the first contact uniform? The grey one. The one that um, the Titan crew have been using. I haven't noticed, I don't think. You haven't noticed the different uniforms? The, no. The two crews No, you always using. do this. You're like, oh! is that a uniform and I'm like ah what because I don't know I know like some of them wear red and some of them wear blue and not stuff. the colour no I know I know I know I know but also I know that the women's uniforms got progressively less oh, like no. lingerie oh, less like, as yeah. time went on but that's all I really noticed the difference with. you'd notice that they have the black like trousers and bottom of the top with the grey shoulders and then the collar is their division colour. You didn't notice everyone on the Titan wearing that. No. But you didn't notice Boimler was wearing that uniform the entire time. I mean, now that you mention it, maybe, but... Wow. I Nope. Well, well, there we go. If ever we needed evidence that there are Easter eggs in this show for true lifelong Trekkies, uh, that is it, because I, I would have... I'm getting there, I mean, I, I mean I'm surprised that you didn't notice they were wearing a completely but it's different a bit like uniform. Everything else, like, I can notice stuff sometimes. I'm like, hey, it's that. And you're like, oh, yeah. Didn't see that. Yeah, you literally uniforms, didn't see this. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> uniforms and ships yeah. just look the same to me. Aww. Which I'm really into clothes, so... True, why wouldn't you I would think that I would be like, cool look, but yeah. I just didn't notice. Uh, yeah, really good story, that one. 
I like that one anyway, uh, of Boimler. Mm-hmm. And hoping to see him back with the team. It's a bit funny, actually, when you think about it, that Boimler's first episode back on Cerritos, he wasn't even with the rest of the It's just more team. realistic, I like to think. Yeah. Let's move on to one then that sort of did explore a new dynamic, which was, in my head, I like to think of this as the many faces of Tendi. I'll explain that as we go on. But in this main plot line, I guess, it was Tendi and Mariner teaming up to go on a girls' trip. That's a weird combo. Yeah. Well, they even thought it was weird. It worked, though. Yeah. Well, the Mariner didn't realize that they hadn't been on missions with each other, just them two. So she agreed to go along on this particular mission for Tendi. Tendi was making an observation that they'd never been on a mission together. Quite funny. It was like reading one of Mike McMahon's um, interviews when he talked about yeah. how they were going to mix up the cast because it was always Rutherford and Tendi and Mariner and Boimler in season one. So that's quite cool. But yeah, basically, Tendi's trying to impress Dr. Tana. And then uh, Ta'ana asks, and Ta'ana looks really... Uh, itchy. Itchy, shoveled when she makes this request, but she needs Tendi to go and get a family heirloom and return it. So Tendi takes Mariner. They go and get the heirloom, and they go to... I can't remember the name of the planet now. I feel Avalon. like... No, Guaron or something like that. Either way, this was a missed opportunity. This should have been Free Cloud. However, mm. one might argue Free Cloud doesn't exist yet. So maybe maybe it just it's not there. Maybe it's not close enough. I don't know if Free Cloud's in Fed Space or not, see, so so that would have been cool. But the planet they went to was very similar, uh, loads of casinos, things like that. We got to see another Quark's bar uh-huh. in the establishing shot of the city. This is the second time we've seen a Quark's bar from outside now in uh, New Trek. The first appearance was in Star Trek Picard in Free Cloud City. When we see the city, you see a Quark's bar, so uh, Lower Decks has done it too. Well done, Quark. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing well for himself. He's franchised out. I wonder if they are his bars or if he's just selling the, his likeness and his name of the bar, franchising it. Maybe. Mm. Although I can imagine he's one of those people who goes around to visit all the time. Yeah. But I also can't imagine Quark trusting people enough No. to look after his money when he's not there. That's why he visits all the time. Yeah. Maybe he's working on clones, a Quark in every bar. But then would you trust yourself? Rule of True. acquisition number <laughs> 1,600, never trust clone you, never because trust. you know what a dick you are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're better than anyone else. So they do get the family heirloom. Mariner, being a very bad influence, gets Tandy to open it. They see what it is. Turns out it's a, it's a sex post. It's kind of like a, a totem pole yeah. slash scratch post yeah. slash sex toy. Vacations, so that's the species that... To honor is once a year we find out have to mate, so like the Vulcans who mm. have every seven years and along those lines, and so they use these posts to destroy. I guess this one looks like it's taken a beating. Well, Mariner notes that says that she's like, oh look, it's like it's Tana's, called scratch marks, yeah, like Nasty. grandma's scratch marks and stuff, and they find it all really funny until they realise that Mariner is just holding this post that all these Cations have done stuff to. The post gets thrown down, breaks. Head comes off it. But, and this is where it begins, where I want to say the many faces of Tendi. Because we see Tendi scream, which is classic Lower Decks scream. Where we've seen it lots of times with Mariner. Particularly Mariner and Boimler together. I always feel like that's oh, a great Boimler scream. Boimler does a great scream yeah. as well. I always just love the, literally the end of the teaser episode one in season, in season oh, one. Yeah, when yeah. they cut into his leg and there's silence, they look at it. They look up at each other and then they both scream. Like that's, I think Mariner... Has the perfect scream for the situations. But Tendi's here. Maybe the first time we've heard one from Tendi. And her face, perfect. Later on, we see Tendi pull another face of horror when the the sex post falls apart even more. 
And so that's why I like to think of the many faces of the tennis. She has a very detailed face, and I feel like we really saw it in this episode. You can really... She's one of those people who just wears her heart on her sleeve, so her emotions are just all over that face, all over that sleeve, just everywhere. Emotions just flooding everywhere. So this whole storyline basically is that they then need to try and fix this sex post thing before they get back to Tana. knowing about it. Yeah. This goes from bad to worse because it gets completely broken. Well, it's a good little game. They play a little game uh, from, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's from a TNG episode. Maybe it was Tapestry we first saw it in, the game they're playing. But um, they're playing as the Norsicans and the Norsicans don't like losing. The sex thing gets broken and they go to back to the shuttle All's lost. Now, at this point, we've already found out some really interesting things. Tendi and Mariner realizing they don't know each other very well, and they're finding out about each other. And we're going to come back onto one of the big ones in a bit. But it's at this point where Tendi is offended that Mariner keeps making comments that suggest that, that Tendi and all Orions are pirates and thieves. She remembers at that moment that, was it her uncle or something, is a... Pirate thief. Yeah, it's like yeah, the was it at the Pirate Bay at the Den of Thieves or something? Whatever the hell it was, I can't remember. Not Pirate Bay. Pirate Bay is a banned place. You should never go. No, don't go there for illegal downloads. We never do. Never ever been there. So they go to this Orion base basically, and we get a bit of a glimpse into Orion culture, and we see Tendi um, living up to what Enterprise established about the Orions, which was that the Orions, the women, lead their society. We always thought that the women were the slaves, hence the Orion slave girl. Monica that's been around for almost 55 years and uh, we found out in Enterprise that actually it's the women who run things and it's just for show really this idea that they're slaves. Tendi hates it but every now and then she has to talk to her uncle. Another one's like they're pure filth. Uh, it reminded me of some kind of like dominatrix <laughs> thing you know like in those yeah. men who will be like I don't know just strapped Tell up. Tell me and, I'm worthless. Yeah and they'll just be getting like whipped and they've got like their mad emotive. I don't know what you call the woman. Giving them like yeah giving them a little whip. I'd be or, so bad at that. Yeah. They'd be like, tell me I'm nothing. I'd be like, I can't. I'm sorry. I think you're really valuable to society. Well, that's kind of what Tendi's like, though, with Tendi when she needed to. would be like, kiss my shoes. Yeah. You know, or something true. like that. So we find out that Tendi used to have a, a specific name. It's escaped me now. Something of winter. Mistress of winter. Something of winter. I don't know. Tendi has some kind of name anyway. I should write these things down, really. Yeah. To give a more thorough listening experience for our listeners. But enjoy your parenting, guys. I don't even know where a pen is in this house, actually. There's one right there. Oh. Oh, it's one of my work-branded pens as well. So <laughs> We find out that the pheromones as well that um, Orion women have, that we found out through Enterprise, they have pheromones that sort of make men do anything they want and want to bang them and things like that. And by bang them, I do, of course, refer to sexual intercourse, Katie, just to clarify that. And I wasn't sure. But do you notice that Tendi said at one point, when Mariner asked if she could do that to help them win the game, Tendi was like, ew, no, also I'm not that kind of Orion. Now, that establishes that not all Orion women do the pheromones thing. Um, because I'd always yeah. assumed that maybe, I think we spoke about it on this podcast, that maybe Tendi, this point, 200 years after Enterprise, maybe there was like um, a thing that would like subdue those pheromones. So, and that's how she'd be in the Academy. But the comment she made suggests that, no, it's only a particular type of Orion that can give off those pheromones. So Tendi doesn't do it. Um, so that was cool to get that mention anyway, and I felt that this episode really was sort of acknowledging Enterprise in a big way. It all goes wrong in the Orion base after they realise that Mariner is a fake green. Because um, she obviously, I don't know what it was, it was like a thing that, I don't think it was like spray paint, but it wasn't. But it made Mariner look like an Orion. And uh, they have to do an escape. Tandy sacrifices the cat post in the end to save Mariner, and they make the way back to the ship. And everything's okay anyway, because even though Mariner tried to insist that there was a bee 
in the shuttlecraft that caused it to crash into the shield of the Cerritos, which was obviously a, just a ruse to try and explain why the um, what was why something was wrong with the cat post, I guess. And it turns out that Tana just wanted the box anyway because all cats like to get inside boxes. They love boxes. They do love boxes. Why didn't we twig sooner that that's where the well? The I thought headed? when. When she was originally like scratching and being like a lunatic, I was like, she's got fleas. Yeah, I thought And that. there's flea treatment inside the sex post thing. Yeah. And then she actually didn't want that. She wanted like some treatment inside. So I thought when they brought it back to her all like broken and stuff that she'd be like, oh, well, it doesn't matter because I just need this flea treatment. Because she was yeah. really like, it's quite urgent. Yeah, yeah. And I thought she's not going to admit to anyone that she's got fleas. No. No, I, I agree with you. I do love that they went. They waited almost thirty minutes just to make a. Can I just box say joke. something though? Okay. Couldn't she have just replicated a box? Ah, is it the same though? Is it really the same? As another box. She knew exactly what kind of box she needed. Cats don't care. Cats love all boxes. Yeah, but this box must hold something special. Like if I put. Did you we... see her eyes when she stuck her head back out? She was. <laughs> she was in place. Like Tana looked like she was on catnip. Yeah. Yeah, it's like those wide, like, wide black eyes. We have two cats in this room right now. If I found a box, at least one, if not both of them, would be in that. Definitely. Uh, everything turned out all right anyway, because Tana only wanted that box. Yeah, so this was really more... I love the action set pieces, by the way. I thought that Mariner and Tandy having to climb up the rope to get into things was really well done. And just, uh, it was awesome seeing all the different shades of green on the Orions as well. But one of the biggest things that came out, apart from the gag where Mariner didn't know Tandy's name <laughs> when it came up, it's like, what is that? Another another name? You're like, no, that's my, that's my first name. The biggest revelation was when Mariner said that she had previously been posted on Deep Space Nine. That was crazy. That was a huge moment for me. Yeah. I was really excited, wasn't I? Yeah. She's so like, yeah, I served there. Well, she even said at that period of time, how it sort of defined who she is now. Because my mind was racing at this point. I was like, wait a minute, she mentioned Worf. So it gave a very clear timeline as to when she would have been on the station. She would have had the Cisco as a commanding officer. It was all very, very exciting. She must have loved being in Cork's bar. She was probably a more serious officer then, I would have thought. But what was really interesting about this as well was that we'd always thought that the... Uh, is it the Quito? Is that what it's called? The other ship she was on? The Quito? Uh... I can't remember. But we've seen last season her at Deep Space Nine when we saw the ship was there. And then when her friend got eaten by that alien... But we'd assumed that she was posted there just with the keto, which I think was mm. probably the case then. But we never took sort of anything from that to suggest that Mariner had been stationed at DS9 as well. So yeah. I thought it was really cool. Now I'm always going to be able to imagine now that Mariner was stationed at Deep Space Nine. You should just walk past this going corridors. Yeah. Reporting to... Kira. Kira, Dax. Dax. Yeah. Odo. Would she have banged Julian? Nah. No, she did confirm actually in this episode that she is not just heterosexual. Yeah. Uh, which has only been confirmed off screen previously by uh, show creator. Well, we proved to be told that she was bisexual, but that's not the case actually. She seemingly is game for anything and anyone. So as long as they're basically bad. Yeah. <laughs> as long as they're bad. I enjoyed that. Then it's her thing. What about her being so offended at the thought of Tandy thinking that her and Boimler were together? Best thing ever when she was like, oh no, that's disgusting. He's like a pet. <laughs> when she did that line, he's like a pet. It was like, oh, that did feel really believable. Like she did seem horrified. But I was a little bit like, oh, maybe there is something there. Ah, no, no. I mean, at the beginning, I was like, I'm going to be so sad if they do end up getting together because this dynamic is so great as it is. 
But it is weird, like, how much she missed him. But maybe that's just testament of what a nice person she is. Because, you know, when he came back, she was like, ah, it's Boimler, it's my friend. Yeah. I guess that could be all it is. Yeah. I don't know. What I don't do know. you I, think? I don't know. I, if the whole point of that scene was to shut down this idea that they're a couple, I don't know if it worked. Yeah, because Tendy's like, you basically sleep in each other's bunks. Yeah. And I bet they do. I bet they, like, sit next to each well, other in yeah, bed and, like, laugh and stuff. But, I mean, those friendships do exist between men and women. Like, yeah. where it is just a really close friendship and there's nothing to it. You know, I've been there. But I guess because it's a TV show, you expect people to couple off. Yeah. Um, you know, so I guess that... I just don't get it from Boimler towards Mariner, though. No, I wouldn't get it at all. I don't get a vibe from him. And to be fair, from where we have seen her at least being aroused or interested in anyone or potentially her friend from the Academy, who was her ex, which wasn't said on screen, but was confirmed in interviews, he's not the type that she goes for. No. Which this episode has her say. Remember so. that bit in, in the other... The ransom? Yeah. She's getting she's aroused like, by his fighting. Oh, it's not right that I find this hot. Uh. But she was getting really turned on by the whole thing. That was ransom. I think that was episode three of season mm-hmm. one. Weird. Temporal Edict is the episode. To throw names at you left, right, You have center. a weird memory. Yeah, I can't ever remember to like, I don't know, like turn the dishwasher on before bed or something. But Where did I put my wallet? What was I looking for earlier? Harrison's socks that were right beside me. Yeah. yeah. Happens all the time. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But if you ask me about an episode title of Star A show Trek, that you yeah. haven't watched for like 15 years. <laughs> I still know And it. you've only seen once. Yeah. And you can also name the whole cast. Yeah. And give me a minute by minute play down of the episode. Uh, I prioritised during my growth as a... So glad Teenager. that yeah. you picked that up rather than like common sense. Oh, harsh, Whoa. brutal. So, God, we, I mean, we're kind of skimming over it all. Maybe it's because we're recording it so close to uh, release time. But what do you think of the Mariner and Tendy sort of girls trip? It was fun. I mean, it, it's nice to see them together. Love them both. Does kind of go to show though that they have no idea about each other. Like oh, yeah. they just don't know each other at all. Loved finding out more about both of them through it. It was fun. It was kind of like I was there with yeah. them on the girls' trip. That was good. We know more about Tendy as a person. Yeah. A bit more of an insight into Ryan culture. Mm-hmm. It's left me wanting to know more about Tendy's past. I know. Because she obviously, even though she may not have been one of these Orion women like letting off all these pheromones and stuff, she clearly was living a dominant lifestyle, which she's not proud of now. I reckon she's a bit now, like but... Mariner and she's got like this dark past that you just have no idea about. Oh, I need to find out more. I want to meet her parents. Why? I don't know. Do you reckon her parents are like super high up in like the Orion Syndicate? Or You're just basically like just profiling her as an Orion Mariner. No. Thank you. Uh, I am. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking based on she had like that title that he was calling her by and things like that. I'm just wondering how she got that. Maybe it could be from her family. I thought it was just from the stuff she's done, like mm. being a dark ass bitch, you know? <laughs> the last plot line then is Rutherford. The whole gist here is that out of the blue, for us as a viewer as well, uh, Rutherford sees Shax ordering some food and moving on. Now, everyone else is obviously quite nonchalant about this whole thing, but Rutherford is as equally horrified as you were, Katie, as we watched this. Because Shax, as far as we were aware, blew up in the season one finale. And it's a very sad moment. We even met his replacement last week, Kayshawn. Yeah, but um, he's gone now. No, he was there. He was in the background. Oh, was he? Today. I yeah, yeah, I looked on second view and I had to double check because obviously we weren't clocked in the first time around. Shax was back. Now, was it the real Shax or anything? Rutherford needed to know. Mariana didn't really care. She was like, you know, people come back from the dead all the time. No, it's a bridge crew. Boimler makes similar comments as well. He just can't find out and he wants to know. Because I understand for Rutherford, Shax died saving Rutherford. He's all of us. Yeah, he is representing us to the viewer. But like, 
for Rutherford, his character, Shax died for yeah. him. And okay, he's saving the rest of the ship, but you know, he specifically saved Rutherford's life before he did that. And so I can see what Rutherford would want to know. And if it was him, it is Shax, as far as we can tell. We never hear the story, but it apparently will change a man. Rutherford refuses to discuss it himself after what he found out. Well, the only hints we really got, there was a black mountain. Three uh, we, assassins. Uh, so basically, assassins. he talks about having to fight three faceless manifestations of himself, I think. And we kind of zone out. So we never know. First off, are you happy to have Shax back? Sure. Me too. I'm really happy. Yeah. I do worry that it cheapens. The season it d- one finale. It does a bit. It does, because obviously that was a heavy moment in season one. It's a shame Van done it, but I mean, not not the first show to ever do that, which I guess is where the joke is in this whole thing, which is that, I mean, the way I perceive it, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but, you know, in Trek and other shows, particularly Star Trek, main characters are, I believe, dead or MIA or whatever, a lot of times in episodes. And sometimes you may even see a funeral scene or at least word going around. But then, you know, at the end of the episode, they find out that person's still alive and yada, yada, they're back on the crew. But I keep thinking, like, we never see them tell the crew that this person's back. <laughs> so does it just get forgotten about or does it just get put out in a little newsletter that goes out around the memo. ship? Memo. Yeah, a memo going out that, you know, oh, so-and-so's Hey, y'all. Like, hey, you know we went to that back. person's funeral last month. Yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, so I'm thinking they probably don't do that because they might think it might make people take them less seriously as well. Like, what, mm. how do they know if it's dead? So I kind of love this idea, actually, of like being on the Enterprise D or Voyage or Deep Space Nine and you can tell that so-and-so's dead, you're quite sad, but then a week later you might see them walking around again and no one's ever told you why or how they came back and you can't find out because no one's really talking about it and you don't have any links to the command crew. I thought this was hilarious that they did this because we are seeing it purely from the lower decker's perspective. Yeah. We have no idea how Shax came back. As a viewer, we know that something incredible could have taken place for it, but I just love that Mariner and uh, Rutherford just weren't part of that mission to know. Does it eat away at you that you don't know how he came back? I mean, kind his body of. was blown to pieces, as far as we're aware. I know. All they found was the earring. Did they find the earring? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you put it in a box and... Yeah, that was weird. But it is more frustrating on actual shows. Well, so I can see what they're doing with it. It was I a think funny it's really gag, funny. Yeah. It's almost like, from the American viewers, super sorry, but EastEnders. That's a yeah. British TV show. It's a soap daytime soap opera. Yeah, been going for like... 30 something years and how many times has phil mitchell died and come back oh, lots of times yeah he got shot died buried and oh, then he right. came back it was final elaborate excuse for it what i love about the way they did this on low Dexo was that they didn't even need to come up with no an excuse. i know the format of the show means they didn't even have to explain it he could have literally just been in the first episode of the season and done it which would have been a true reset Whoever came up with that in the writer's room is a genius. I, I think. think it actually would have been even better if they hadn't had that exchange between Rutherford and Shax and just made him unable to ask. And yeah. then we would just never have known. Or kept it as like a entire season thread. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that Shax called him Baby Bear. Oh, did he? I yeah, missed that. When they, it was just before he told him how he came back. When oh. he realised that Rutherford was stuck, he's like, you know, Baby Bear, what's wrong? And I was like, oh, remember that? When he welcomed Rutherford into his security team and Rutherford left in the end. And when he sacrificed when he sacrificed himself for him as well. So yeah, glad to have Shaq's back. Me but too. yeah, it does cheapen his death. But then you got to remember, this has happened many times before in Star Trek. Yeah. I can't remember a single time. Well, because you haven't seen Is a whole it, lot of the other ones. Am I not there yet? No. Can you give me a spoiler? I'm trying to think on the spot. I don't think we've ever had anything so dramatic as Shax's. But there's been other characters who I were just thought, thought dead. Like, 
I was thinking about George O and how she died and then well, that is Mary actually, Universe that's a really good example. came back. But yeah. it wasn't the same George o. No, but everyone thought it was. Yeah. And so they just put out a story that that she had been in prison, didn't they? And I think that was still the case. A lot of people still felt that right to the end. So, uh, yeah, very similar to that, really, I guess. And Trek's done it. Even in, within an episode, you know, they think someone's dead. Oh, no, they're dead. That's the end of the teaser. It turns out they're just, like, trapped somewhere and they come back by the end of the episode. Mm. So, yeah, so there's been lots of precedent for it. I thought it was really funny, anyway. Oh, hang on. We saw one of those episodes the other day. Oh, what were we watching? It would have been a DS9 Somebody was presumed dead, and then they were like, no, actually, he's okay. The end. Yeah. I don't know. Favourite parts of this episode, then, please? Definitely the part where Mariner is with Tendi on the planet, and she's meeting Tendi's hot uncle. That's hilarious. Oh, she's, like, almost drooling. Yeah. So like, She can't control it. Yeah, it's really, really funny. Stuff, yeah. Definitely the part with the cat in the box, because me and cats just... Like, I get it. I feel that hard. So I'm getting progressively more um, nasal. <laughs> You've done through. well. You've done well getting I know, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Love, like, the whole thing with Boimler. Just not being able to use anything. So funny. And I loved his determination. Like, I'm going to meet Tom Paris. I'm doing this. Even if it kills me in a Jeffrey's tube. And I'm, did. I'm proud that it didn't. A lot of my favourite bits were the same as yours. I love Mariner revealing that she keeps herself distant from people yeah. uh, because they tend to just leave her. So give her another interesting look sort of into Mariner's mindset and how she perceives things that go on around her anyway. I'm loving the animation this season as well. I, just, I think, I mean, season one looked good. Maybe I'm just excited because it's new episodes, but I just feel like the animation's stepped up a gear as well. I loved all the action sequences on the Orion planet. I thought they were, they were great. This, for me, is my favourite episode of the season. Same for you? I don't know. I've enjoyed them all. Oh, like, I've loved them um, all, but this one was, I like, for decide. me... I can't decide. This was next level for me, this was. I've really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to next week's. I'm loving going into each week not having a clue. We don't watch the next that trailer That is exciting. I, yeah. We really do not have any idea what's happening. No, I don't have a clue. It's just a new Like, episode. when they pulled out that cat sex doll, I was like... What? What What did you just say? No, it's not out of place. Trek has been really forthright with it. The amount it's... of nipples that thing has. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time we've really properly addressed sort of cats having sex. And like, have you ever seen a cat twiddle its second set of nipples? Oh. Now you have. Yeah, that's true. That's a new one for Trek. That'll go in the old uh, Star Trek encyclopedias and such. I'm surprised it didn't have tassels for the rest of them. <laughs> Before we go, I'm going to reveal that I've just signed up for the Star Trek magazine. They only do four issues a year now, I guess. I think magazines are kind of dying out. There's loads of magazines that I used to read that are no longer in print. But it's being rebranded as Star Trek Explorer, I think is the name. It starts from November and it's going to have like um, some sort of little stories in it and stuff. And it's going to be a whole different approach anyway. So there's four issues a year. So I just subscribed to it last night oh. to uh, to get four issues of that each year. Just to see what it's like. And I guess that's it, really. By the time we do the next episode, I should have my Lower Decks Season 1 Blu-ray Steelbook. Very excited to put that on the old shelf in the uh, the front room. Any final thoughts from you, Katie, on Lower Decks? It's banging. It was banging. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss the fourth episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. Before that, please go back and listen to all of our old episodes if you wish. Or check out her first Trek, a Star Trek review podcast. That's our other podcast where we talk about all the old Treks. You have some extremely amusing views on some of those episodes, Katie, <laughs> uh, if you don't mind me saying. And uh, otherwise, yes, please engage with us on social media at Blast Shield Up. Enjoy your week. Please Trek out and live long and prosper.
This show is brought to you by HoloSuite Media. Computer, list other available HoloSuite Media programs. Loading HoloSuite Preview Program 4, The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. Yeah, so we cut to night time. Harry sneaks out of the bed and starts looking up Voyager with his security codes, etc. Um, again, should be in underwear, but... Computer, show me Tom Paris. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> show me his location right now. Oh, he's 450 meters away. <laughs> hey. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was grounded. <laughs> He's like, I have to go to a hookup, Libby. I have to go to Bear. I have to. He found, he found him on, on Harry Space on Star Grindr. Trek Grinder, and he's like, it's Space Grinder. Loading Holosuite Preview Program Four Beyond Farpoint, a Star Trek: The Next Generation podcast. And Picard's the other character trying to solve the mystery, so he leaves for that reason alone. It could be, and it could really be any character. Any one of the, of the main cast members could have gone with Data and been there with Data several days later, trying to solve what happened to the Enterprise. It's it, it it's very very much a kind of a, a plot reason and nothing more. I think. Yeah, um, I kind of wish Data had stayed on the ship actually, because I would like to have seen him regress to a pocket calculator. <laughs> Computer, deactivate Hollow Suite.